0: We want this gathering to be loaded with smiles and joy in the presence of God, knowing that you are a welcomed son. You are a loved daughter. So, Heavenly Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that every single person doubting their position in your family, because of the words that we've been able to sing, and more than that, because of the words of the Bible, that they would know beyond the shadow of a doubt that they are loved by you, that they're accepted into your family, and that they don't need to hesitate coming before you in worship today. God, I thank you for what you're doing in the life of our church, and I just pray for this unique moment that we have together, that you speak in a powerful way, and you use the testimonies of real transformed lives to change our lives and hearts in this moment. We love you. We thank you so much for the opportunity to worship. We say, come and move, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You can have a seat in this room. You can have a seat at home if you're joining us online. This is such a special and significant moment for us to get the opportunity to step in. And I'm going to take a seat. I never take a seat on stage. And I'm taking a seat in this moment because I wanted today to be a lot more of a conversation than me preaching to you. We just finished one of my favorite sermon series that we've ever done, Fresh Wind, talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. And I feel like you got plenty of preaching from me. I don't know if these people feel like they got plenty of preaching because I was hoping for a clap for Fresh Wind. But... We felt like God moved through that series in such a powerful way, and it's fitting that that series would end in Acts chapter 2 with 3,000 people getting baptized in a moment, and then the very next Sunday we would pick up with Baptism Sunday on our land at Hamilton Road. And so if you're watching this online gathering, you might be like, well, this is, I didn't even know they were going to have an online gathering this week because This week is in person out on Hamilton Road. And the reason why we're providing this gathering online right now is because we want you to know that for the foreseeable future, we will absolutely be prioritizing our online audience. And there is no realistic way for us to provide a live stream of what's happening on Hamilton Road this week. Follow along on social media. You'll see some really cool things. I know that's unfortunate, but we wanted to make sure if you're at home and you're distanced from people right now, you don't have to be distanced from the people of God. And so you have a church family that loves you and cares about you. And I'm going to be talking in this gathering right now about what I'm going to be talking about on the land before we baptize over 50 people who have been transformed from death to life. And I guess the only, the only real announcement I have with that is that the Sunday after this coming Sunday, October 4th, we are going to be gathered in this building at 323 Airport Road once again at 9 a.m., 11 a.m., 5 p.m., and 7 p.m. But want it to be known, if you're not able to join us in person, whether that's because of where you live geographically or just the nature of this season, it is not a loss for you to continue to track with us online. I want to highly encourage you to do that. If you have your Bible, would you go ahead and hold it up with me all over this space and all over online? I want you to turn with me. Go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, such a significant chapter in the scriptures. And I want to read to you the final command Jesus gave his disciples before he ascended into heaven. Now, this is a powerful moment because Jesus has risen from the dead. His disciples are hanging out with Him. they're overwhelmed by the fact that they are hanging out with a resurrected man who is the Son of God. And it actually says in Matthew chapter 28, uh, I think it's in verse 17, right before what we're about to read, that even some doubted as they were hanging out with the resurrected Jesus. That always caught my attention because I always thought if I was there back then when Jesus actually rose from the dead, then I would know that I would know that I would know that my faith is actually real. But it's interesting that even though Jesus is in resurrected bodily form before them, still some are struggling to believe. And it's in this moment that Jesus ascends into heaven and gives his disciples the charge that is called the Great Commission. And many of you grew up reading this, but I just want to read this over us because this is our call together as a church, and this is why we are baptizing people on our land, not because we wanted to throw a worship party and dunk people underwater, but because we have a command from our Savior to do this. Watch this, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. If you're there, say I'm there. This is so weird to be sitting up here. I feel like I'm teaching a class more than I'm preaching a sermon. So let's have fun with this. Then Jesus... Came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the great commission. This is our calling as a church and I wanna read every word that Jesus said really carefully. Start at the beginning in verse 18. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In 2020, as we head to what promises to be the most divisive presidential election, maybe of our lifetime and maybe of the entire history of our country, I want you to hear the Son of God say, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, there is not one ounce of authority that doesn't pass through the sovereign hand of the resurrected Savior. Jesus goes, just in case you're wondering based on what you're facing, who's in control? It's Jesus all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Why does Jesus feel the need to announce that there? Just so you can know who's in control, but so you can also know who has the right to give orders (laughs) because he's about to give a command. And what Jesus is about to say is not like a suggestion for what the church might be all about. It's not like, hey, if you have time, maybe you should get to this. He's going, I'm the one who's in charge of everything And here is what I'm commanding you to do. More than here's what I'm commanding you to do, here's the purpose of your life. Go. Go. We could live in that word. Faith in Jesus is never sedentary. It's always on the move. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. When Jesus sends out the disciples, he doesn't say go and make sure people pray a three-step prayer so they can be converted to Christianity. He doesn't say go and make converts. He says go and make disciples. What is a disciple? Somebody who has left everything to follow Jesus. Someone who's a learner, somebody who wants to grow in their relationship with him. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And the reason why I wanted to read this verse is because I want to clarify on Baptism Sunday what we are saying by baptizing people. We are not simply having a ceremony like a graduation for people who felt like taking a spiritual step baptism is the joining of your life with the life of jesus and when we baptize people in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit we are welcoming them into the family of god as they share their story and they are committing for the rest of their life to spend their life growing into the image of who jesus is and spending their life on mission making more disciples there is no follower of jesus who sits half-hearted and goes, I just prayed a prayer and I did the steps and now I'm going to heaven. A true follower of Jesus is a disciple who wants to grow in being taught about who Jesus is, but who also wants to teach others. And so what we're celebrating as we baptize people is that we have people who are dedicating their lives to Jesus. And listen, some of them are nine years old. Some of them are in their 40s, 50s, and older. And as we baptize different people from different backgrounds with different stories, it's important to remember that in the middle of that moment, the Son of God has promised us that where the church spends their time and energy on mission, His presence goes with them. "'Behold, I am with you always.'" That is one of the most powerful promises in the entire Bible. That is the word that God gave Moses. That's the word that God gave Joshua. The promise is, I am with you. But Jesus says, I will be with you always by the power of the Holy Spirit. But the context of him being with us is that we would live our lives on mission. And so I just want to challenge you today. If you're receiving this word, this is the purpose for your life. And when we go to baptize people, we are baptizing people who are not just saying, I've committed my life to follow Jesus, I pray to prayer. We're baptizing people who have been wrecked by the grace of God. Because when you know that God is your loving Heavenly Father and that Jesus died to save you, there's no way you go back to your life the same way. And every person who's getting baptized, they're wearing a shirt that reads, Jesus wins. That's the headline of our church. And we hope that as those stories are told and as we step into that moment together, that it is clear that our lives exist for the glory and fame in Jesus above and beyond anything else. No, everybody who's getting baptized is not going to be perfect. They're not going to walk away from that moment with everything being totally different about their life, but they will walk away from that moment with the confidence that they have been filled with the Spirit of God because they have professed faith in Jesus as the Son of God, and they're going to live their life on mission for the glory of God. And I'm saying this because I believe baptism is the ultimate calling of the church. it's not an accident that this is the last thing Jesus said. If you're Jesus and you've said so many things to your disciples over the years, you're gonna be real careful about the last thing you say before you sit at the right hand of the Father and he's giving orders going, this is what we exist to do. And so I wanted us to have a moment together, even as an online church family, to make sure we are on the same page about what's happening when we're baptizing people. I've been to different churches and different denominations where there's all these different things believed, about baptism and so many times when we get asked as a non-denominational church what do you believe about baptism I just want to tell the person you need to come to a baptism Sunday and see for yourself because it's so much more than a set of beliefs it's an opportunity to worship and see physical symbols come to life spiritually. So a lot of the things that you see physically, there's no special supernatural power in getting dunked underwater, but there is something supernaturally happening about a life that has been surrendered to Jesus in front of their church family sharing their story and being dunked in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so I wanna give you five things. These are the five things I'm gonna talk about on our land. I talk about them every baptism Sunday, but we have to make sure that we are celebrating the way God calls us to celebrate. Number one, you are going to see water. Somebody say water. You're gonna see water present. We dunk people fully underwater. There's a reason for that. The water has no special or significant power. Every single time we do a baptism Sunday in our building here, wherever we're doing a baptism Sunday, I see somebody like creep up to the tub and like they, they want to dip their hand in, just in case there's a little blessing in the water, just in case there's a little something, something. Now, it is warm water. It is comfortable. But I want to tell you this, there's no special, significant, supernatural power coming from the water. The water is a symbol for the washing away of sins. And so you see this over and over and over again through the scriptures that water symbolizes purity. So when you see someone baptized in water at Auburn Community Church, we are first and foremost saying that this person has been forgiven of their sins. And when you hear some of the testimonies of where people have been, it's so powerful to consider that the blood of Jesus doesn't leave one of our sins uncovered. If you are in Christ, every single sin that you have ever committed and every single sin that you will commit from here, covered in the blood, you are washed, you are pure, you are blameless, you are holy, you are set apart. And so the water is powerful, but not in that I touch it and suddenly there's some kind of magic that comes over me. The water is powerful because we're saying we've been forgiven by a holy God and we did not deserve this grace. We did not deserve this love, but this mercy has been given to us. Number one is water. Number two is my favorite part. Number two is the dunk. Somebody say dunk. Makes me think about LeBron James. Still doing it, guys. Still doing it. Long he's long like after Michael had played and then retired and then come back and played. The longevity of LeBron James is what makes him special. Yes, I'm using our online gathering as a platform to to tell you that LeBron is the greatest basketball player of all time. But the dunk is my favorite part of baptizing people. We dunk people fully underwater, and sometimes some of the comments we get about baptism is man, you dunk people violently sometimes. And it's like, well, it's a it's a spiritual celebration and the dunk symbolizes the burial of Jesus. This is a portion of the gospel that a lot of times we skip because we talk about the perfect life of Jesus, we talk about his death on the cross, and then we skip to resurrection Sunday. Don't skip the burial. The burial of Jesus is so significant because in Jesus's burial, we are proclaiming that our old lives before coming to know Jesus have been buried with him in baptism. This is what Romans chapter 6 verse 3 says. It says, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So you don't get a new life in Christ without burying your old life before Christ. And the dunk is powerful because we are literally proclaiming an end to who you used to be, an end to death, an end to addiction, an end to everything that bound you and held you back from the life Jesus died and rose for you to live. And so don't skip the dunk. We celebrate the dunk. And the dunk is painful because you're admitting there's a part of me that is dying in this. Now, here's, here's what's frustrating. Many of you who've been baptized, you're like, okay, after I got baptized, I still struggled with sin. After I got baptized, I still fell into these old ways. After I got baptized, all my problems didn't go away. Here's the thing. The era that we live in in redemptive history is called the already but not yet. It means who you used to be has been put off and who you are in Christ has come alive, but it hasn't been fully fulfilled. You still live in a body that has a propensity to sin. But if your old self has been put to death in Christ, here's what you can know. Even the sin that you continue to struggle with is a part of your old nature. It's a part of the man of the woman who is dying. And you need to know is what Paul says. It's not even you. Your sin is no longer a part of your new nature. It is that old man. It is that old person who is coming up, and you need to remind yourself in that moment, no, you died, and your life has now been hidden with God in Christ Jesus. The dunk is important. Somebody say water. Somebody say dunk. Number three, the rise. The rise. This is beautiful. Somebody's dunked underwater. They come back up. And some of the tears that you see, some of the celebration that you see, it's symbolic of the resurrection of Jesus. Every single person who dies in Christ Jesus does not die. They live forever and they will live forever in the kingdom of God, giving glory to their heavenly father and living the one life they were truly created for. So When somebody rises out of the water, if you're at our baptism gatherings, you'll hear a shout, you'll you'll hear clapping, you'll hear celebration. The reason that is, is because every single resurrection story is worth celebrating. And when somebody comes out of the water, we're not going, congratulations, you got dunked and lived through that. We're celebrating, oh wow. This is a symbol of what has happened to you spiritually. The old you has been buried into death in Christ Jesus, and now the new you has come alive. And so I always tell our church, the day we baptize somebody and I hear a golf clap, I quit. We have to be a church that always celebrates resurrection power because it's the reason why we've been entrusted with the gospel. So there's water. There's a dunk. There's a rise. Number four, very important, the church. Somebody say church. The church. I don't believe that Christians should spend their time every time somebody professes faith in Jesus finding a nearby body of water or a pool to dunk someone. It is the responsibility of the local church to affirm those who are baptized and make sure that there is a structure in place for that person to grow in their faith. The reason why it's powerful for people to proclaim their story in front of their church is for the purpose of accountability and discipleship. So now when you get baptized in front of your church family, it's one thing to like grab some of your family members and have a private baptism. And listen, I'm I'm, I'm not trying to diminish your baptism if you weren't baptized in a church. I'm just trying to clarify. This is why we believe what we believe about baptism at ACC. It's powerful for you to get in front of thousands of people and proclaim faith in Jesus because now you just made yourself accountable for your confession. Now you've got brothers and sisters around you who don't exist to just tell you when you're doing something wrong. They exist to encourage you and support you and make sure you're walking in the faith. It's a beautiful thing to walk in a local church in loving community with people. And I just want to encourage everybody watching online. You might be socially distanced from people right now, but don't be spiritually distanced from your faith community. You need people. You need elders. You need a community group. You need people in your life who are able to encourage you and build you up in your faith. That's number four, the church. And number five is my favorite one. Lastly, the story. Somebody say story. The story. This is beautiful. So when we do baptisms at ACC, we make it a priority, if possible, for everybody getting baptized to share their story. And that's not an accident. I believe it's powerful to proclaim out loud that Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Lord of all of the universe and Lord of your life. But there's also something freeing that happens spiritually when you proclaim out loud what God has done in your life. There's this moment in Revelation chapter 12. We talk about this verse a lot at ACC because it's so telling about what true freedom looks like in the Christian life. But there's a moment in Revelation where John describes the victory of believers over the enemy. And here's what he says He says, They triumphed over him, that's Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. It's huge. It's one thing for the blood of Jesus to cover you from all of your sin, but there's freedom on the other side of confession. And when you start to share your testimony and share your story now, yes, the blood of Jesus has forgiven you, but now you have said out loud in the light, this is who I am in Christ Jesus. And When you proclaim your story, there are spiritual strongholds that are broken. For some of you, there are generational sins in your family that are broken because you said out loud, this is who I am in Jesus now. I'm not ashamed of my story. I'm not ashamed of what happened in the dark because that has been paid for on the cross. And now I'm out here in the light lifting up the name of Jesus. And so I wish, I wish you could watch all 51, 52 people who are getting baptized sharing their story. Some of them, a few of them are going to share live on Sunday, but for this gathering, because we have so many people getting baptized and we wanted to prioritize distancing as much as we could, we actually went ahead and filmed all of the stories we could of people who are getting baptized. And we thought, you know what? Let's just share some of these stories with our online gathering. As you're hearing these stories, I wanna challenge you to think about your own story. And last Sunday, we did a sermon called Preach the Gospel Again. And I think it's so important to not just hear somebody else's story and go, wow, that's awesome that God did that through them. I wanna challenge you as a believer in Jesus, who are you sharing your resurrection story with? And who are you reaching out to personally? The man who was healed by Jesus of blindness didn't know how to explain the miracle of what Jesus did, but he did know how to tell his own story. And so some of you think, I can't share the gospel. I don't know how to answer everybody's question. I don't know all about apologetics. You don't need to. You just need to know how to say, this is what Jesus means to me, and I want to share it with my life. So we're gonna show you a video of just a few of these stories and trust me, they are absolutely incredible stories. But as you're hearing them and as you're paying attention, I want you to be challenged to share your own with somebody this week. Watch this video. I'm currently a junior
1: and I've been going to ACC since my freshman year. And freshman fall was when the Lord opened my eyes to who he is for the first time. Early on in becoming a follower of Christ was full of joy for me but at the end of the next summer, I was suddenly overwhelmed by doubt that caused me to question many things about the Lord, the Bible, and my faith itself. One scripture I kept returning to to comfort myself was Ephesians 2, eight through nine, where it says, "'For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, "'and this is not your own doing. "'It is a gift of God, not a result of works, "'so that no one may boast.'" But I really wrestled with what the word faith meant in that scripture. I knew that I was saved through faith, but I kept asking myself what in the world faith really meant. I knew that I put faith in everyday things such as driving my car, sitting in a chair and simple things like that, but I couldn't get a good grasp as to what biblical faith was. To me, faith was something that I could have one day and could throw out completely the next day. I told myself that this couldn't be right if faith was something that dealt with my eternal destiny. This past spring, the Lord taught me what it means to be saved by grace through faith. Faith is not a result of how much time I spend in prayer or how much of the Bible I read or how many good things I do for the Lord. These great works never earn you faith. They are always and only the result of genuine saving faith. Faith is receiving the forgiveness that God gives us by what His Son did on the cross. It is by God's grace, by what His Son did and by His power that we are saved and we simply receive it. And I'm being baptized today to be obedient and faithful to what the Holy Spirit has called me to do. One scripture the Lord has constantly revealed Himself to me through is Isaiah 55, eight through nine, where it says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts.
2: I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor. Yet I was showed mercy because I acted ignorantly in my unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners, among whom I am foremost of all. Yet for this reason I found mercy so that in me as the foremost Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. These words from 1 Timothy are my testimony. My name is Gwen Charles and for the first 18 years of my life I was defined by bitterness. I turned my back on God because I believed the lie that I had to be perfect to know him. I had no relationship with him but publicly did the quote-unquote right things to make myself appear like I did. Then in private, I looked to the world for fulfillment with boys drinking and worldly accomplishments. This led to more brokenness and my heart was in pain. Over the past year, the Holy Spirit took hold of my heart and freed me from the double life I was living. I thank God daily for his perfect patience and mercy because as First Timothy says, I acted so ignorantly in my unbelief. God used ACC, relationships with believers, but most of all his living word to show me that the only place I will ever find fulfillment is in him. Today I stand firm knowing that Jesus isn't just the best, but the only option for my life. I didn't know how lost I was until I saw what true fulfillment looks like, God's unconditional love through his perfect sacrifice. I now see obedience, not as a burden, but as an act of worship towards God, who has given me life and given that life purpose. Through prayer, His Word, and community, I grow closer to Him daily. I now understand that knowing Him isn't acting like I have it all together. It's going to Him humbly and desperately because I know that I don't, and being met with the yes that is His grace.
3: You never know how God's gonna shape your path. Two and a half years ago, my geology class was participating in an exercise on the side of a highway. My friend Nick and I were involved in a horrible incident that left us both in a coma and barely clinging to life. From this very moment, God began to perform His miracles. Five days into our stay at UB Hospital, the doctors gave my family a very grand prognosis that I would not emerge from the vegetative state that I was in, so they should consider pulling the plug. My family told me that they prayed about this and they were scoffed at when they mentioned to the doctors that God was telling them otherwise. Unfortunately, Nick would pass away 30 days later I have had to pivot as I've tried to gain back almost everything from my old life in a short two and a half years. I wasn't able to ROTC. The ROTC students and staff were at UAB supporting me every day. A month later, I would go to the Shepherd Center in Atlanta. My new life began as God gave me back the desire and abilities to relearn thinking, eating, walking, and talking. I have recovered to the point where I'm able to drive again, have returned to school, Passed the Navy fitness test and have made an even higher GPA than before I had a brain injury. I was on track to commission into the Navy upon graduation this winter, but I received tough news a few weeks ago that I am medically unqualified to serve in the Navy. This is tough news to me because I have prayed and prayed for this to happen so that my life would be the ideal miracle. But God has shown me that my plan was an idol. Pivoting and trusting him on my future has been easier and tougher than I thought it would be. I still have issues that I'm dealing with and asking God to heal me up. Therefore, I'm confident. If he rebuilt my brain, and he has rebuilt a new life in this vessel, God can surely continue to mend and mold my heart. My ACC family has been so supportive, and I am thankful for them. A door of opportunity has opened up to further my education here at Auburn and pursue a master's degree. I was a believer in Christ before the incident, but I viewed intentionality with God as an obligation. Now I'm saying yes to the opportunity of being a follower of Christ.
4: Hi, my name's Hannah Black, and I moved to Auburn about a year ago when I transferred from a community college in North Alabama. And shortly after that, I started attending ACC. I was raised in a wonderful Christian home where my dad was my pastor. And I was saved at a young age, but I didn't learn how to truly accept my identity in Christ until just recently. So coming to Auburn, all of those insecurities and issues that I thought I had dealt with came back stronger and uglier than ever. I was living daily, getting my worth from what the world said about me rather than what the Word promised me. I got to a place where I struggled so much with desiring the favor of others over God that I found myself in places and situations I never thought I would be in. I remember one Sunday, I was broken and defeated from a night at the bar where I drank way too much, and I cried out to God that I was sorry, that I'd ruined my witness for Him, and I felt like I had out His calling on my life. At church that night, Miles stood up, and before he even started to preach, he stopped, and he said that there was someone in the room that needed to hear, they could never out God's calling on their life. In a room full of people, God chose to speak directly to me. And he even used my unbroken prayer to assure me that he saw me and he loved me. God didn't have to prove himself to me that night. He's God. But I'm thankful he chose to show me his ways are so much better than anything the world could ever offer me. Since I signed up to be baptized in April, God has taught me how to receive my identity only from Him, and He's taught me how to love Him privately and not just publicly. Jesus wins today and forever, and I'm simply thankful to be loved by Him.
3: Hello, my name is Henley Hansey. I'm 10 years old, and I'm in the fifth grade. I've been wanting to get baptized for a really long time, and I'm so excited that I finally get to. I want to have Jesus come into my heart and be a part of God's family in a bigger way. Jesus will always win.
1: Hi, my name's Savannah Lynn. I am nine years old in fourth grade. As I have gotten older, I understand more about Jesus and God. The reason why I want to get baptized is because I want to let Jesus and God into my heart.
5: Hi, my name is Keshaya. I grew up in a very Christian home. I went to church every Sunday, I sang in the choir, and I went to Sunday school. The older I got, the more I realized I was going through the motions and did not have a true personal relationship with God. On the outside, it looked like I was the perfect Christian, but on the inside, that couldn't be more further from the truth. I struggled silently with negative self-image, self-worth in who I was and meant to be. However, I still somehow knew that God had a plan for me, even though I felt distant from him. Back in November, a friend invited me to ACC, and I had no idea that it was a baptism Sunday. I remember looking at the stage thinking I could never be that person, but here I am. I remember that night feeling so overwhelmed with who God was. I had to know more, so I started listening to ACC podcasts. The old definition of God that I had been taught was that God was a punisher and unapproachable. But instead, I learned that God was a forgiver, a filler, and someone that loves me for me even though I am not perfect. I told God that my life is in your hands guide me in your will and he told me to be baptized. So here I am today to profess before my church. I choose you, Jesus. I can't do anything without you. I want to be only in your will.
6: Hi ACC, my name is Josue Fernandez and I'm from Costa Rica. I'm a sophomore at Point University and I'm part of their men's soccer program. I'm so blessed thankful and humble that I get to stand in front of all of you today to not only share my testimony, but to call you my home church. This is something I haven't even shared with my family, so here it goes, ACC. When I was six years old, my mother passed away unexpectedly, leaving me, my older brother, and my dad behind. This resulted in three atheist, empty, heartbroken guys living under the same roof. This is the part where I would usually begin talking about how I was saved at Passion 2016, leaving half of my testimony buried deep within me, but not anymore. Ephesians 5.13 says, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. For too long, I have kept this within me, but Jesus has been opening, grounding, and guiding my heart so that today, I can share and claim all of my story as it is now exposed by by his light. And moreover, it's also part of it. So ACC, two years after my mother passed away, I was physically abused by four of my cousins for the first time. Up until January of this year, which was the last time when I was physically abused, there have been too many beatings, broken bones, bruises, and tears to count. I was, a, I was an atheist up until 2016. I needed to blame someone for losing my mom and for enduring that physical abuse. So for almost 12 years, I hated and, reser- and resented our heavenly father and I wanted nothing to do with him. My life as a whole became a life of questioning him. Why me? Why now? Why this? And even still through it all, through all of that hate, sadness, brokenness, weighing down over my heart, God longed for that heart. He fought for it. He loved me. He forgave me. And moreover, he called me his son, his rightful and loved son. This wasn't something I truly ever realized and accepted until I attended Passion 2016, which was under protest protest, as my three best friends, Christian, good loving friends, tricked me into going. I had no idea what I was getting myself into, but God did. I went into passion broken, unavailable, and dead, but as I cried out my yes and invited Jesus to take over my heart on that second day of passion, I was risen from the dead. My mother's unexpected passing, every single beating endured, teardrop, and minute in the hospital were all sad parts of our greater story. Our greater story filled with love, grace and faithfulness, which is that I am His Son, His rightful and loved Son. And more than it being about my story in Him, ultimately, it's about the biggest story of all. Entitled, Jesus Wins. Baptism is about being in a place in life where Jesus is better than any other option. And ACC, I'm here. The chains of shame, guilt, sadness, pain and brokenness are gone as now I rejoice in every wound and every scar because without them I wouldn't know his heart. And moreover, I know that every single one of them are a story that he'll use. After that simple yet powerful and everlasting yes at Passion 2016 ACC, Galatians 2.20 was engraved on my heart and it became my one and true single only identity. It says, "Having." I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave gave himself for me. He's never late and he's never early, ACC. My testimony is a testimony of that. Thank you.